We're glad you're here with us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We pray God's word speaks to your heart today as Pastor Chapman Laxton shares the word with us. Well, good evening. I'm glad that you guys are here tonight. Uh, We're continuing right along in our Names of God series, and tonight, tonight, we're going to be talking about Jehovah Sid Canoe. Jehovah Sid Canoe. Uh, It's not to Sid Canoe. It's kind of a it's it's kind of a unique name, but it's a powerful name. and I'm just super excited to talk about it. Let, let's, let's go to Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. This is the first place that it's found in the Old Testament. It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will rise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Some translations may say, the Lord, our righteousness. And so that's who we're talking about tonight. Jehovah Sidkadu means the Lord is my righteousness or the God of my righteousness. In a very similar passage of Scripture, in just a few chapters on in the same book, Jeremiah 33, verses 14 through 16, again, the Lord says it again. He found it so important that he wanted to bring it up twice. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made the people of Israel and Judah. And in those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Tonight, as we're talking about Jehovah Sidkenu, I I love this because in this name is the answered prayer of all the prophets and the sum of all the law. It's found in the name of Jehovah Sidkenu. See, this is the essence of the holy mystery that's been revealed only by the ushering in of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 30 says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise. I didn't say it, the Bible said it. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Here's what I love about this message. Is that when we are talking about righteousness, and we're talking about our righteousness, 
and all the righteousness that you and I and we and us have together is that all the righteousness in us was begotten by righteousness without us. And that's important. The righteousness in us was begotten by righteousness without us. What you and I have, the, 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 the relationship with God has been sealed beyond the reaches of your and I's efforts, your and I's works, your and I's best deeds, best days. Boy, we sung that song good. Boy, we played that note right. Boy, we checked off all the cards and we showed up and we got the, we've been at church every Sunday, tic-tac-toe, three in a row. We, our righteousness has nothing to do with us. And I don't know about y'all, but that is revelation to me. It's peace to me. And, and what I love is, is that any attempt by us to try to attain or achieve, this sounds bad, but any attempt on our own to get righteousness just makes us self-righteous. And it's not the same as the righteousness that God gives. Any attempt on our, on our part to try to become righteous, it just falls short. Here's what's great. Here's what's great. This is good news. Romans 7 verse 22 through 25 says, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work within me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to you and me. Thanks be to us showing up and, and serving and, and preaching and singing. No, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, here's, here's the problem when it comes to righteousness and our problem with seeing God as Jehovah's Sid Canoe. Here's, here's, here's our problem. In the process of our sanctification, as it goes along, we don't recognize the nuances and the delicate lines that in our ignorance, we paint everything with the same brush in our faith. See, we, we hear and we understand the need to work. We're going to be good trees. We're going we're to have good fruit. We're going we're to produce. So, so, so we're going to work. We're going to work for everything, right? Or we fall in, in the other side and we see the need to accept God's gift of mercy. So we stand around for everything and we wait, we wait for God to do everything. And we either fall in one broad brush stroke of it's by everything that you do or it's by nothing that you do that you're... When in reality, it's a little bit of both parts. See, we do have the need to work. And there are times where there's nothing we need to do other than accept God's free gifts. But in either or... We have to educate ourselves on the intricacies 
of our faith or we'll fail to see the proper approach to the different things when it comes to God's grace, the growing of our faith, and our righteousness. Y'all get what I'm saying? See, our approach to those three things, it's just a little, there's just a little bit of some differences in them. And whenever we don't grasp it, we think that redemption can only be attained through works. And that righteousness, therefore, is obtained through works. Whenever that's not the approach at all. See, it's no different than the context of how different between salvation and sanctification are different. Consider this. It took God one day to get the people living in Egypt out of Egypt. And one day, everybody left. Now, I get there was some plagues and there was some things and they were in slavery and they were... But in one day, whenever it was time for them to go, everybody was out. But it took them over 40 years. That, that's salvation. God saved them all in one day. But it took them over 40 years to get to the promised land. That's a process. That's a sanctification process. And so we, we, we need to be able to recognize that there are things that are different within the, the, the parts of our and the aspects of our faith and what we believe. Or else we'll spend our whole lives not walking in the power and the peace and the authority when it comes to something we're talking about, Jehovah said, canoe my righteousness. God's my, God is my righteousness? It's kind of like treating everything in your life the same way that you start your car. Your approach to starting your car. Even in here, we got people who got real fancy cars that you just got to get your keys close to your car and your car will start to push a button. Some of us still got to stick that bad boy in there. And Well, okay, you get that it's activated by some key, right? You approach your car differently than you approach your toilet. Well, there's a, there's a flusher on there. It's kind of like a key. So, you, Well, okay, that's kind of close. So we just... But that's different than the way you start your microwave. It, what I'm trying to get you guys to see is you understand that without the right approach to the different parts of your life, you're going to be living in frustration and confusion about why this doesn't work, why I'm not seeing the impact of, of what I should be getting out of this. And whenever we're talking about Jehovah Sidkenu, the God of your righteousness... If you think that your righteousness is begotten unto you based on how you, oh man, this is going to get good, this is going to get good. I believe that this message tonight is going to set some people free. And here's the, the grand scheme of everything that I want to say wrapped up right here. Of all the things that you can earn under the sun, righteousness with God is not one of them. I want to say that again, of everything that you can earn under the sun by working hard and by being diligent and by being this and by doing that and by winning the game and by, and by hitting the game winning shot and all the different things, of all the things that you can earn, righteousness is not one of them. There's only one way. There's only one way for you to be made righteous before God and that's an acceptance of the blood of the Lamb. Oh, we've got to get free of the religious bondage 
and, and stop diminishing the power of what Christ did for us on the cross to, to, to an experience of, whoo I'm saved, but now I've got to work real hard to keep this righteous thing going. God's not turning to Jesus and going, well, your blood would have been enough, but they got a tattoo. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do, son. They're beyond. God's not looking at the person who's had sex before marriage and going, oh, son, I guess you'll have to get back up on the cross and die again. Christ's blood that was poured out for each and every single one of us purchased for us a righteousness when we remain inside of it. And it's not anything that any one of us could do. God's not going, what's the answer going to be? It's his blood. That's what was required. If the law had been enough to satisfy, then the law is what we'd all be living under. But that's not what God wanted in order to have an intimate relationship with us. What he did was he sacrificed his son and he became our righteousness. When we try to make our deeds be our righteousness, we just become like the Pharisees. And we just get longer and longer tassels on our coats. And we walk around with our deeds on our shoulders draped over, covering up a heart on the inside that doesn't even know who God is. We've got to get this. We've got to get this. This is why what Christ was saying was so radical, because it diminished the God that they were remaking in their own image. And it was lifting back up the rightful place of God and us being remade in his image. And the only thing that could atone for our sin was the blood. I think y'all are getting this. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says this. All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are as filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Our righteous acts... The things that we do that we want to proclaim and put out there and post on social media and, 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 and get out, those compared to the righteousness of God are like dirty, filthy rags. And, and I, 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 you've got to get what's being said here. God's not saying that you're like a filthy rag. But when you try to take the deeds that you do that are good and use them in placement of the blood of Christ, there's no comparison. It's a candle to the sun. Up close, oh yeah, that's all you're looking at, wow. But it's nothing compared to the vastness and the size and the power and the, and the radiancy of the light of the sun compared to a candle. That's what our righteous deeds are like when we try to use them in ways that, again, I have to say, this is not an excuse, though, 
for us to not attempt to live holy. The, the Bible clearly says for us to judge our fruit. This is not an excuse to not have self-control or discipline. I heard, I heard a quote the other day that our culture has become culturally literate and biblically discerning. What I mean is this. We've gotten to a place where we've immersed ourselves with the way culture thinks, culture acts, culture behaves, and we judge the Word of God based on how it doesn't line up with the culture, and we say, shame on you, Word of God. Shame on you, churches. Shame on you. This is not an excuse to, to, to live like. We've got, that. We've got to become biblically literate and culturally discerning, where the way we live our lives and the things that culture is accepting, and the thing, we're lining that up with the Word, and when it doesn't line up with the Word, what we say is, shame on you, culture. Shame on you, my behavior. We've got to get lined up with the Word of God. So, so all of this, hear me, hear me, it's not an excuse to sweep anything under the rug. That's not what Jesus' blood did. All right? However, we've got to come to a place where we're seeing the importance of Jehovah Sidkenu, that he has become our righteousness, that we're not taking God's grace in vain. However, we're also realizing it's not something we have to earn. It's not something we have to purchase. We can't buy it. We can't build it. God wants you to experience the fullness of, of the capacity of the new covenant. In order to do that, he wants to be the God of your righteousness. He wants you to know him as Jehovah Sidkenu, the branch that was lifted up in the line of David. Come on. And, and understand, the same righteous David that killed Goliath fell to Bathsheba. The same the man after my own, my own heart, the man, we're only righteous in the areas where we allow God to make us righteous. And the only thing that restored David wasn't him working real hard and him striving real hard and him, oh, God, I'll do this. He fell on his face and said, God, forgive me. God, he fell back under the authority of God. He allowed God to come back in. And this is where we fall under the new covenant. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But instead what 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says. But he said to me. Come on. But he said to me. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here is the glory of the new covenant, church. That by the power of the blood, God can work out your brokenness, your infidelity, your addictions, your attitude, your abusive background, your failed businesses, your tragedies, your brokenness, your your cynical faith, your stone heart, your drought, your famine. He can turn it all around for your good because it's his righteousness, 
not yours. It's his righteousness, not yours. In your lack, he is enough. And you have become his righteousness. I want to I put that passage of scripture back up there. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. See, God can work with this person. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. God can work with this person. You want to know why? Because this person has come to the conclusion, it's not about how good I am. It's not about, it's not about my own power, my own right. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about what I am great at. Therefore, I will boast all the more about what I do really, really well. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about what I'll put on Instagram or what I'll put on Facebook. Or what I'll, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The best thing about me, the best thing about you is the power of God that rests on us when we embrace the fact that it was his blood that was shed. It was the work that he did for us. That's Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord of our righteousness. We've got to come to this place. And I get it, you think you're a bad boy. You think you're a bad girl. But Paul was a pretty bad dude. The guy who wrote that scripture was, and he's beating Christians to death. But the moment that he took a hold of the righteousness of God radically changed his whole life. And he just went on to preach over the entire continent of Asia and all over the world and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Well, what do you think could happen in this room? If we could get a hold of the righteousness of God that we don't have to work for. What make Paul so righteous? Who gives Paul the right? Uh, he, he accepted his eternal need for God to be his righteousness. 1 John 1, 8 through 10. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. However, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not true. There's two kinds of people. There's people who don't believe that they need the righteousness of God because, hey, God, I got, I got it. I got it. Look at my tassels. You're just the world's shortest giant. You're just a regular guy, man. Your deeds don't amount to anything of any significance beyond, great job. There's those people, and then there's the people who the power of God rests upon because they choose to believe, I need 
God's love. I need God's grace. And I need the sacrifice that was poured out for me so that the righteousness that could become inside of me is God's righteousness. See, I'm in need of God's provision every day. Every morning that I wake up and I thank the Lord for a new day, thank you today, God, that yesterday wasn't the last day that you're providing for me. His mercies are new every other Tuesday. His mercies are new on Sundays when the kids are acting good and everybody's dressed and on time. And His mercies are new when the night before you won the ball game and His mercies are new every day. And a part of that, inside of that package of the provision that's been prepared for you and for me is his righteousness once again is right there ready for us to take upon itself. He, he's not getting us to a point where he's saying, all right, I've carried you for 15 years. Go be righteous without me. That's not the way God operates every day. My righteousness is sufficient for you. Every day, my sacrifice is here for you to take upon you. Today, again, here is, the, here is my mercy. Again, here is my mercy. I am the God of your righteousness. That's what he's saying. I'm the God of your righteousness. You don't have to provide righteousness. That's actually not a part of what I've signed you up for. But we got a whole lot of Christians living in shame, condemnation. I'm not worthy I'm not, an, uh, I, I'm not this, I'm not that, I can't have it. I, it's, uh. Somebody told me that because my skirt was too, therefore I'm going to hell. I, I, my hair's not up in a beehive, I'm going to hell. Uh. We, we've gotten to a place where we're just, we just create some more law. And it's not even lost in the Bible, we're just going to create some new stuff. That's not the God of your righteousness. Because if the law could have fixed you, I said it already. If the law could have fixed you, Jesus Christ was the perfect lamb. He was what was needed. And he was the scapegoat for our sin. He was sent to the cross to be killed and murdered on our behalf for what we deserved. I love what... what A.W. Tozer says, is that the only sin that Jesus ever had was ours. And the only righteousness that we can ever have is his. I'm going to run that by you one more time. The only sin Jesus ever had was ours. And the only righteousness we can ever have is his. And and you guys have to see, this this was the plan. This was the promise. This was what all the law and all the prophets and everybody was speaking about was there will be a day. Well, we don't have to do this anymore. Where a way will be made in the desert. And we'll walk into a relationship with the Lord like we've never had before. There will be a day. Ezekiel 36.25 talks about, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. What he was speaking towards was that there would be a day where I will come and I will cleanse you 
I will come and I will wash you. I will come and I will make you clean. I will come and I will fill you with my righteousness. And this this next verse, this next verse perfectly explains how God sees you. And, And I just love the simplicity of the way Jesus speaks so plainly about something that we we tend to build up and we and we make it this big pointy unapproachable mountain of, of the righteousness of God and how John 13:10 Jesus was going around and he's washing the disciples' feet. And Peter's like, "Lord, don't wash my feet. I, I should be washing your feet." And Jesus says, "Unless I wash you, you can have no part of me. And, and so Peter, Peter's like, well, well, don't just wash my feet, God. Wash my head. Wash my arms. Wash me again. Get, get my whole body. And Jesus goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Look at this. Those who have had a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. The righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. The God of our righteousness, he's cleansed you. You might have some sin in the way. Look, you don't need to take a whole bath again. You don't need to take a whole bath again. If you're in here today and you were saved, and you're in that place of you're being tormented, I don't feel righteous because I'm not acting righteous, and I'm not acting righteous, so I'm condemned. And because I'm condemned, I can't have... Jesus is going, whoa, 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 whoa. Those who have already had a bath don't need to have their whole bodies washed again. They just need to wash their feet. Jesus isn't making excuses for you stinking. You need to wash your feet. But you don't need to go hop in a whole bath again. Just wash your feet. How simple. How simple to the approach of forgiveness and sanctification and the righteousness of God. If you have ever accepted the Lord. You don't, he doesn't need to get back up on the cross and die for you again. The blood of Christ that was spilled is all the blood that he's going to spill. That was enough. You just need to wash your feet. I just, that ran all through me. That's how the God of your righteousness sees you. He sees you as Christ. He sees you as Christ. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, it says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? What was being said was, if If the blood of heifers and goats cleansed us of sin, how much more? How much more will the blood of Christ not only cleanse you of your sin, but cleanse your conscience? He's become the God of your righteousness. What that means is he's become the source of your righteousness. He's become the very thing that makes you righteous. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work any harder for it. Son, daughter, 
your God is not looking at you like, where is your righteousness at? He's, he's not looking at you to get this thing figured out. As far as, if he doesn't get some righteous acts going on, I don't know if the blood's going to be enough to save him or to save her. That's not what that's whole, the whole thing's about. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God sees you as the righteousness of God because he has become our righteousness. God sees you. And, and, and trust me, he, he, he's not looking at your Facebook. Oh, wow, looks like they got everything figured out on Facebook. What? Hey, Jesus, you don't even need your blood over here. This one's good. He sees you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your intentions. He, he gets it. You've been trying to earn this thing. And what he's trying to get you to see is that your righteous acts up against the blood of Christ doesn't cover it. That's, that's, not, that's not, it was the blood of Christ. And the righteousness of Christ is on the inside of you. And that's how your God sees you. God didn't save you to something better. To power, to authority, to peace. Just to resubmit you back to an inferior covenant. There'd been no reason for Christ to come. He could have just stayed home. If we was all just going to live by the old covenant anyway, no need for a new covenant. Except God wanted to know us and empower us on a deeper level. And as the church began to explode, this was the gospel. This was the good news. Beyond punching a ticket to heaven, you don't have to live a life condemned and ashamed and full of regret, and full of thinking that I get, well, maybe I'm saved. I, the righteousness of God. Jehovah Sidkenu, that is your Lord. And He has become your righteousness. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church where it's more than a church, it's family.